Thanks for being a part of the Fearless Army. Drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and when you do, ask me a question in the comments. Each week, we'll compile your best questions and answer them on air. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Thank you for joining me. Happy Friday morning to you and yours. A special edition of Fearless with Jason Whitlock. We got a little double trouble for you today. We're going to do two shows today. Uh, I've got a great show that I want to unpack for you this morning. And then later today, I have an awesome interview with Sarah Maccabee and Nick Searcy that I'm gonna unpack for you in the evening. Uh, so sit back, relax. I'm gonna start your Friday morning off with an awesome, awesome fire starter. Delano Squires and Royce White are gonna come in and help me fan the flames of this fire. You get a double dose of Fearless on Friday. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, let me clear up a little room here and take care of one of our great sponsors, Samaritan Ministries. Tired of someone else telling you where to go when you have a medical need? Are you ready to take control of your health care? Samaritan Ministries could be the solution you're looking for. They connect hundreds of thousands of Christians across the nation who come together through prayer, encouragement, and financial support when a medical need arises. It's not insurance, and you're not limited by restrictive networks. Say you have a medical need. You don't have to check and see what hospital is in your network or be concerned about the doctor being in network too. No, you go to the hospital, you choose, and don't give a second thought as to what's in network and what's not because with Samaritan Ministries, you're in control of your health care. Afterwards, fellow members pray for you and send money directly to you to help you pay your medical bills. And when they have a medical need, you'll do the same for them. That's what biblical healthcare sharing looks like. Check it out today at SamaritanMinistries.org slash fearless. All right, you guys ready for a fire starter, an awesome fire starter? I've got one for you today. Let's get it rolling. Uh, my problem isn't really with Deion Sanders. It's with the people who worship, exalt, and defend him. Idolaters are far more dangerous than the idols they glorify. The people enraged by my light criticism of Coach Prime realize that I'm really talking about them, not Deion Sanders. I'm pointing out their insecurity, the fraudulence of their confidence, virtue, and faith. Dion makes his idolaters feel good about themselves. Coach Prime's black idolaters believe his success says something about black people. Dion's white and liberal idolaters believe their unconditional support of him makes them more virtuous. The world has never been able to rid itself of idols. Man is constantly looking to avoid the narrow path, a less demanding savior, a replacement for Jesus Christ. However, society's level of idolatry, that ebbs and flows. America's idolatry is at an all-time high. That's the true legacy and impact of Barack Obama's presidency. He ushered in the age of unrestrained idolatry. Deion Sanders is the new Barack Obama, an idol above criticism, a celebrity who fills black people with pride and grants white supporters morality. The things human beings were designed to receive from a relationship with and an understanding of God, we keep looking for in man. 15 years ago, when Obama won the White House, many Americans falsely believed President Obama would help deliver the nation from the sin of racial division, unfairness, and bitterness. It never materialized. In fact, eight years of Obama increased our racial polarization. Should we blame Obama for that? I don't think so. I blame the idolatrous relationship black Americans, white liberals, and corporate media established with the President of the United States. Man is not meant to be worshipped. God is. 
Worship and exaltation bring out the worst in man. Man is sharpened by resistance. Obama received far less resistance than any president in American history, making him one of the weakest leaders in American history. He was allowed to dismiss virtually all criticism as racism. The paid sycophants on his staff and surrogates in the media shielded him from his critics. He existed in a protective bubble. His presidency, along with the growing influence of social media, normalized placing idols in an echo chamber of positive reinforcement. How did the all-out protection of Barack Obama benefit his most passionate idolaters? What were the rewards for black people's idolatry of President Obama? Well, according to most objective observers, there were no rewards. In fact, Tavis Smiley, an accomplished black journalist, and Cornell West, the Ivy League intellectual, they were both ostracized for daring to criticize Obama. I want to take a pause here. I want to play you a clip from Cornell West from, I believe, back in the early 2000s, offering up a critique of Barack Obama. And th this type of cr critique is what got Cornell West ostracized from the black community for a time. Let's play that clip. Fast forward to this week. West is now strongly criticizing President Obama, calling him, quote, a black puppet and black mascot of Wall Street. Well, when I look at the mass unemployment, mass underemployment, mass incarceration, especially in the black community, but I'm talking about poor and working people across the board, it seems to have a very low priority. It seems to be an afterthought. That's what I mean when I say one becomes a puppet for corporate plutocrats and a mascot for Wall Street or oligarchs. Cornell took a lot of heat for saying that. No one took more heat, though, than Tavis Smiley. Smiley was basically one off the Tom Joyner radio show. Obama's idolaters undermined Smiley's career, pushing him to the fringes of the media. Listen to how Tavis Smiley wraps up or remembers the Obama legacy. Let's play the clip of Tavis Smiley talking about Barack's legacy era of the first black president, the bottom fell out for black America. In many ways, although they had a black president, they were still politically marginalized. They were economically exploited. They were socially manipulated. So how do you juxtapose those two realities years from now? I'm glad I'm not a historian trying to figure that out 20, 40, 50 years down the road. But I tell you this, I think the historians are going to root for Obama uh, ultimately because it's a good American story. You got to say America did the right thing. They elected the brother. You know, they, it, so, it's, it's, so, you, so the story, the, the narrative kind of takes its own shape. But when they get to this part about how you juxtapose those two realities, his success and the bottoming out for black America, that's going to be a much harder story to tell. That's Tavis Smiley talking about the legacy of Barack Obama. Absent any resistance, Obama was free to build his legacy as the ultimate freedom fighter for lesbians, gays, transgenders and queers. Newsweek magazine held Obama as the first gay president. Idolatry is the devil's most effective tool. It blinds believers to truth and allows man to give in to his own worst instincts. That's what I'm afraid we're going to witness from Deion Sanders at Colorado. He's been placed in a corrosive, protective bubble of idolatry. He's worshiped, exalted, and defended the way we're supposed to worship, exalt, and defend Jesus. No man can handle that. Dion will be destroyed and no one will benefit. It's strange and sad how little we learn from the Obama presidency. We've yet to reckon with the idolatry his eight years in office spawned. Before the age of Obama, as a columnist working in Kansas City and writing for ESPN and Fox Sports, I was celebrated for my willingness to criticize idols and sacred cows. Now it's taboo. It's not tolerated within corporate media. Take a look at Skip Bayless. Skip Bayless, he built his career second-guessing LeBron James. Skip Bayless has now reinvented himself as a jock sniffer, someone completely afraid to challenge the pervasive racial idolatry at the heart of most sports media narratives. The age of Obama birthed Colin Kaepernick and now Deion Sanders. 
idols above scrutiny, false gods. Our confidence, and I'm talking about black people, and security should come from knowing we're image bearers of God, not that we share the same skin tone of a celebrity football coach, football player, or U.S. president. Black pride is a curse because all pride is a curse. Pride hides truth. The idolaters are fueling the arrogance that will undermine Dion's ability to sustain success at Colorado. The black people worshiping at the throne of Coach Prime foolishly believe a winning season at Colorado will benefit them and say something about them. The truth is, our unrepentant idolatry says everything you need to know about us and America. We'd rather suffer the negative consequences of worshiping a false god that endured the worldly persecution of embracing the real one. That's my fire start. I'm going to bring in Delano and uh, Royce White uh, to talk about it. Uh, I think there's a lot to unpack here because I believe all of this is connected to Barack Obama, as I've stated. He normalized this level of idolatry. He promoted this level of idolatry. He's convinced everyone that this level of idolatry somehow is beneficial. The results don't say so. I, I, I run into very few people. All of that worship of Obama from black people, what did we get from it? What, a, a momentary feeling, oh, we feel good. We had a black president. Again, if you're really sound in your faith, if you're really sound in your belief system and in your values, your confidence, your security should come from knowing your relationship with God, not with some man, flawed man here on this planet. We're doing it all over again. The exact same thing we did to Barack Obama that led to no results, that led to as Tavis Smiley said, the bottoming out of black America and to all of this racial polarization in the aftermath of Barack Obama. It's our idolatry. I, I don't blame Barack Obama. I don't blame Deion Sanders. There will always be idols. What does go up and down is the number of idolaters. And this culture has been overrun with idolaters. We think being a groupie for celebrities somehow benefits us. I've lived long enough to know there was less idolatry the first 20, 25 years of my career than what we have now. I made a name for myself and I was respected and celebrated because I would take on idols because I was objective and fair and treated idols no different than the working man. Or actually, I was harder on the idols, the celebrity idols, the people with means, the people with wealth. I was harder on them, much harder on them than I was on the working class. And I still am to this day. But I'm now reviled for taking on the rich and powerful. That's how far we've gone with this idolatry thing. And it's happened in my lifetime and it's happened in an instant. And it happened with Barack Obama, the combination of Barack Obama and what that normalized and social media and what that normalized. Everybody's a groupie for a celebrity. It's sickening. And, and it causes problems. No one advances. We're at each other's throats because of this idolatry. And I know one of the first things people are gonna say, what about Trump? What about MAGA supporters? You know what kind of lies you would have to tell yourself not to acknowledge that it, not only is it legal to criticize Trump, it's supported, rewarded, celebrated. People go after Trump relentlessly and are celebrated for it. Their careers advance because of it. Tavis Smiley criticized Obama and his career went into the toilet as a message to everybody else in the media. You go after Obama, 
your career will go into the toilet and the only place you can exist is on Fox News. You, you got people launching careers and being celebrated. Jamel Hill puts out a single tweet calling Trump a white supremacist and now everybody believes she's some sort of journalist and some sort of great journalist and someone we should listen to. So d don't tell me about MAGA supporters and how they worship Trump. In this country, this, our establishment, what's popular in the world is criticism of Trump. It's not analogous. It's not remotely the same thing. Anyway, we'll go to Delano first and then we'll bring in Royce White before we do. I want to talk to you guys about uh, our great friends at Nugenics, a product I've been using and getting results from. If you're tired of losing your testosterone and all the negative effects of losing your testosterone, Nugenics Total Tea is offering a complimentary bottle when you text 231231 and enter the keyword fearless. You want to get back in shape, if you want more of the man hormone, if you want that fire back and you want the energy back from your youth, Nugenics is the way to go. Nugenics is one of the best ways to boost your testosterone of any product out there. It's probably the best way. I've been using it as I've been fighting the battle of the bulge and getting back in shape and re-energizing myself. You can get Nugenics Total T Testosterone Booster with Testafin. It will help you turn back the clock and re-energize your life. Every guy needs to do this. All you have to do is text 231231 and enter the keyword fearless. This is an unprecedented formula with science-backed key ingredients to safely maximize your free and total testosterone levels, help you increase muscle mass and skyrocket your performance. All you have to do, 231-231, keyword fearless. 231-231, keyword fearless. Texting enrolls you into a reoccurring automated text message. Consent not required to purchase. Message and data rates may apply. The number one doctor recommended brand by primary care physicians based on an independent survey conducted by IQVIA 2022. Delano Squires, next. Previously on Fearless. Do you think he comes back and tries to play next year at 40 years old or trying to recover from an Achilles tear at 39-40? Maybe that's just a sign it, it's, it's over. Well, I think this is only uh, my opinion. I believe that he certainly doesn't want to go out that way. That being said, there's a lot that goes into coming back. Uh, that was unforeseen. He, I'm, I'm sure he wasn't expecting a season-ending injury. Um, with technology today, uh, the surgery assume should go well. Uh, and you know, I think Aaron's got enough competitive spirit in him that he'll come back. Welcome back. Uh, I think Delano's in Atlanta. Uh, let's roll out to Atlanta and bring in Delano Squires, get a little smarter. Delano, uh, what do you think of my analogy of Deion Sanders to Barack Obama? <laughs> when, when I first heard it, I thought, okay, how is he going to make this connection? But honestly, I, I agree with you 100%. And I was telling somebody, actually in the barbershop last week, that there's a, a spirit of touch not the Lord's anointed on Deion Sanders that many of his supporters seem to be living by. It's the same way in a lot of churches, particularly prosperity churches, any criticism of the pastor is seen as like attacking God's man, which is in itself an attack on God. 
And that's how I feel a lot of people are responding to the to even the lightest criticisms of Deion Sanders. Um, it's as if you're trying to to tear down God's man. And and that for a lot of people is a is a very, very serious offense. So I, I think I mean you you made the, the argument and and in many respects I, I agree with it in terms of how I feel people are putting him up on a pedestal and treating him like an idol. And so the, the second part of my argument that I think will probably be misconstrued or missed is that my issue, the deeper I get into the conversation, isn't really with Dion because hmm. Dion, his athletic success made him an idol. And, and hmm. you know, what am I going to tell him? Not to have that athletic success? No, he had that access, made a lot of money off of it. He, and idols are going to be in society. It's unfortunate, but that's just the reality. I do think the level of idolatry ebbs and flows. Mm. And so my real problem isn't with the idol. It's with the number of idolaters who run to protect the idol because I've lived in a time when there was less protection of idols and that's where I think the Obama presidency normalized and convinced people of the value of idolatry. So, so you're right. Some people may miss that. Uh, I can tell you, Jason, as you said, I'm in Atlanta for the G3 conference down here with Virgil, and, and I saw Chuck Knox earlier. And I, I lied to you not. I, I saw a guy who was a fan of the show. He came up to me. He said, man, Jason is killing Deion Sanders, man. you got to tell him to lay off. And I said, you know, we, we had a little, you know, light banter back and forth. But but to your point, I I don't think, as you said, Dion is the main problem here. Um, it is the way the culture, culture, quote unquote, is sort of surrounding him and treating legitimate critique of him as some sort of capital offense. And particularly when you incorporate the issue of race into it, um, I think what separates, you know, Dion and Obama from other black athletes is, the sense that their accomplishments are uh, mean more to us, quote unquote, than the accomplishment itself, right? Obama's election wasn't just another black politician getting elected. There's plenty of people in the Congressional Black Caucus for that. It's him and the presidency is a victory for all black folks. And I think that's the way Dion is being treated right now at, at Colorado. Um, but here's the problem. And I think this, to the extent that I have criticized him. It was after the first game. It's that when people understand that they have that protection that comes with the complexion, they will deploy that strategically when it benefits them. So when he says, oh, you didn't, you know, oh, people don't like to see a confident black man. And, and it's like, when is it? I'm like, Dion, you're, you're beloved. I, I, heard, I heard, overheard two guys at lunch today at a different table, two, two uh, white men, one a little older mid 60s the other looking in his 40s and they both said man we I, I love it i love it he's great for the game like people are tuning in and they're interested so so you know sometimes black folk particularly in these positions will use that to their advantage and and going back to obama and he didn't do it as much but i cannot tell you how many black politicians i've seen who take any criticism of them regardless of how legitimate as uh, oh, like Lori Lightfoot. Oh, they, I only get criticized because I'm black, female, and lesbian. I'm like, no, that's that's not the reason. So it's, it conditions a sense of weak weakness in black leaders that um, encourages them to evade the responsibility that they sign up for uh, when when they seek these positions of leadership. Tavis Smiley. In particular, basically mm -hmm. got canceled for mm -hmm. criticizing Obama. And this is early on. I mean, this is I mean, he, he got put out the barbecue and out the cookout early on. And, and I thought that was a signal to everybody else, particularly in the black media. We're not allowed to question Obama. We're not allowed mm -hmm. to question the president. And we're wondering why he's going to go down in history as the first gay president rather than as the first black president. We didn't put any we didn't hold him accountable. We didn't put any demands yeah. on him. 
Yeah, I, I mean, Jason, I, I would be surprised if listeners under the age of 30 even know who Tavis Smiley is. Because Tavis Smiley, I mean, he, he wrote at least one book that I know, The State of Black America. But he, he used to have, uh, at least for some period of time, conferences on the state of Black America, which is probably the last time I could think of in recent history, where you had, you know, an array of Black folk with different perspectives, most of them still center left, but they would come and talk about issues around health and education and economics. But to your point, once he criticized Barack Obama um, and him and, and, and Cornell West together, when, when they were, were sort of critiquing Obama and what he either was or was not doing to the Black community, they were cast out, more so Smiley than West, um, because West has a, a separate career as a, as a public intellectual. But I have not seen Tavis Smiley, I mean, aside from a few times on the show, and then he, then he got crossways with the Me Too stuff. But, but you're right, he, he was uh, excommunicated from the culture um, for committing high crimes and misdemeanors, specifically of criticizing the first Black president. And, and, and as you said, that sends a signal to everyone after him that if you want access to this president, you, you basically you know, have to be a butt kisser. Um, and, and to the extent that you ask tough questions, they have to be the type of tough questions that he already knows are going to come and he can punch back at you and make it look like, you know, uh, make him still make himself look good. So, yeah, it, it he, he his career really took a hit after that c- criticism. And I remember specifically hearing him at Cornell West in dialogue. And it might have been West who said something to the effect of criticism makes better presidents. Lincoln wouldn't have been Lincoln without Frederick Douglass. And, and part of me felt like that's what they saw themselves doing. But when you, I think it's fair to say our community is hypersensitive when it comes to race. And we were hypersensitive when it came to the protection of Barack Obama. Um, and I think those two guys come from a different era and play by a different set of rules. Uh, and and that, didn't, that didn't work for either of their careers. And so... Their intent, Tavis Smiley and Cornell West, was mm-hmm. to be the resistance that Barack Obama needed to become a great president and, 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 and to actually deliver something to his most ardent supporters. We took that away and, in my view, crippled Obama. And th- th- again, this is why I keep saying it's not the idol, it's the idolaters, mm-hmm. because any man, if you, oh, I, I don't have to take the narrow path. You're not going to force me on the narrow path. I can take a <laughs> shortcut. And, and it's, it's laced with Netflix contracts and millions of dollars. and work. Everybody, Every man's going to take that path. We're, we're crip- and, and again, I have that same fear as it relates to Dion. In, in terms of any man that doesn't face resistance mm. is going to fall. And, and, and it's one of the I even talk about myself in terms of like not getting involved in a marriage and facing the resistance that comes with having a wife and having to be accountable for her. I'm pay, I'm going to pay a price for that. I mm. am. And, and so I, I'm not trying when you make your own self an idol and everything's built around you. It's it's a mistake. And, and so. This and it's people don't think I'm the people think I'm joking or whatever, but I'm just like, no, there's some resistance that Dion needs. And if no one else is going to give mm-hmm. it to him, I'll take it all on. And and y'all can do me like Tavis Smiley. They, they've been trying to do that for 20, 30 years. anyway. But I, I'm yeah. just going to take that on because I, I would actually like to see Dion be successful and have sustained success. And it will not come without serious resistance. And Jason, if, if you allow me to put on my, you know, psychoanalysis hat for, for a quick second, I, I think part of the reason that this is happening um, is because within our community, there are certain dynamics at play that I think reflect on many of the things we talk about in terms of the home and fathers and, and family breakdown. And I've heard so many, for instance, women say something to the effect of, my mom raised me and baby my brother, something to that effect. 
And and when you do that to a man, right? He 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 turns into a baby Huey. He never grows up. He's never forced to grow up. He never has that tension. Now, what a father does is the complete opposite. He he babies, right? He favors his, his daughter and he raises his son. But when fathers are absent on a mass scale, the the balance in the home is tipped in t- particularly from from the mother to the son tipped entirely towards affirmation and comfort. And I think that dynamic plays out on a broader scale in American culture, because I think the entire culture is going to solve. But particularly in, in our community where any criticism is seen as hate, it's, it's never seen as constructive. So, you, you know, when, when, when people see a parent disciplining a child, they think, oh, wow, this is, they, they, they don't know what to do with it. Because we think, and subsequent generations, I think, have, have made this worse, that the ultimate sign of love and affection is complete and unquestioning affirmation. And that's one of the reasons we have so many problems in our culture today, because no one feels like they can say anything that's in the slight, you know, least bit critical or corrective to somebody else. And, and, and I see that. And that's made the entire culture soft. And that's why whenever people get any type of criticism, the first thing they do is reach for that security blanket is to say, oh, I'm being criticized because of my, uh, lack, for lack of a better term, my intersectional identities. It's because I'm a woman. It's because I'm black. It's because I'm gay. It's because I'm queer. It's because I'm trans. You're homophobic. You're transphobic. You're xenophobic. And it's like, no, we're criticizing you because we, we, we think either what you did is wrong or we think you, you need a corrective in a particular area. Uh, and, I, and I think it's one of those things that I see play out on a daily basis. And it, and it really has made the country and the culture soft. And I, and I hope and I think the saving grace for athletes is that athletes know, particularly when they're on the battlefield, that you can't you. Dion knows he can't um, coach his team this way. Right. So that's why he has high standards for them. And he says, if you're five minutes early to the, to the meeting, you're late. And if you're on your phone, you're out, right? But he allows some of that, you know, he allows people to, to run cover for him and to protect him in that way. And it, it would be great for me if he came out and said, look, y'all, I know y'all want to see us do good. I know you want to see Colorado win. But every time somebody says something critical to me, you do not have to at me on Twitter. I'm a grown man. I'm, I'm over 50 years old. I've raised children. I put kids in school, right? I've gone through all such. I, I barely have half a foot left. I'm not a baby. But we don't get that nowadays because everybody feels, particularly when, when we feel someone is carrying um, the banner for the, for the culture, that we need, as I said, unquestioning affirmation. And that is no way to raise a man. And sometimes, Jason, I thank God for my father for being the type of man who would tell me, no one owes you anything, okay? So get that out of your thick, fat skull. Nobody owes you anything. The only thing they owe you is what you've worked for. And life is not fair. Those two things alone have helped keep me on a straight and narrow path. But what I see more and more today is people's inability to to distinguish between right and wrong and their sense that any type of criticism, regardless of how light is, is hating, um, or motivated by by some type of, in this case, uh, anti-black bias. Finally, you're at the G3 Ministries, you're at perfect place, but this is a byproduct of a, of a society that goes more and more secular mm. and, and less people get their self-confidence and security from their relationship and attachment to God and, and instead get their security and affirmation and confidence from a relationship, a pretend relationship with people that wouldn't pee on them if they were on fire, like a Deion Sanders. And again, I'm not saying Deion has animus or anything towards him, but again, when your self-confidence is coming from, oh, Deion, and we got the same skin color, and look what Mm. he's doing, instead of, no, my confidence comes from, I'm a child of God. What, what what higher level is that? Dion and his success or whatever, that, that again, just like Dion said, that's his blessings, not yours. Right, not yours. <laughs> it, it just I just 
I see it all as just it's just a very secular worldview. And we've talked about it on this show many mm. times. People are going to worship something. Yes. And, and, and I'm trying to shake people up and say, don't worship Dion, worship God mm -hmm. and, and wake yourself up. That's what you're doing. You're worshiping these false gods. Worship God. But but and it's just yeah. how I ended the deal. There's a level of persecution that comes along with standing on God and standing on biblical values that that level of persecution doesn't go along with it. Does, that, that doesn't go along with worshiping Dion. People are taking the easy road. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not just Dion. I think any type of uh, worship of man, right, whether it's Dion, Jordan, Obama, Biden, Trump, it doesn't matter, um, is, is sin, is idolatry. Um, and, and, and even the guy who, who I talked to, you know, at the conference, he said, you know, watch, because, especially because Dion talks about God often, you know, and, you know, when he's, when he's just being himself. He said, watch the LGBT movement is going to come after him, right? And I said, they might. But I say, he's going to fold 100% because, because I, I, I see where and how he's being discipled. That's, that's why the P Valley people down, Didn't you down say there. Thank you. That, thank you. Right. He was in Jackson State <laughs> right, inviting right. the dudes from P Valley to campus. Yeah. He, they're yeah. not coming after him. He's got all the rappers coming to his place and 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 there is lgbtq adjacent as anybody they celebrate but, dion but 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 this is an interesting interesting dynamic because dion is also a type of person again i i may not agree with his doctrine but he, he does talk about god and he he does talk about his role in shaping young men and, and i saw a video the other day where he said you know i, I want these guys to be fathers not baby daddies and i said yes now i would have preferred him to say husbands and, and fathers but i understand Maybe his personal situation would prevent him from doing that. But I think what, what ends up happening is because he is willing to play ball in that area, in the culture, he is able to say certain things that you and I may agree with that would be a lot harder for you and I to say if that was our lead punch. Because he sort of, you know, he gives his little uh, tithe and says, look, look, I'll, I'll, I'll indulge you all in this particular area. But... By doing that, that allows him to say a lot of other things in the culture that I think are helpful. But yeah, the, the idolatry is a problem. But I think, Jason, the other problem, and this is biblical as well, is that there are very few people in the culture, commentators, pundits, or whatever, who, using biblical language, assess situations in an impartial manner. You talked about Dion the other day um, and, and, you know, part Coach K and his privilege. I cannot imagine a reaction in the culture if Nick Saban's kids were big talkers riding around in Rolls Royces, Ferraris, Maybachs, flaunting their wealth in the faces of, of low-income black kids from the South, right? And, it, and they're talking the talk and all the swagger and putting it in their face. I mean, it, it would be, oh, these guys are privileged, white privilege, economic privilege. It would be similar to how people talked about the Duke lacrosse guys after they got into their, you know, that situation with, with the woman in North Carolina. But because it's Dion, and because in the culture's mind, whiteness, it's a privilege to be white. And when you're black, it's hard for people to see you as privileged, no matter how much money you have. All of that gets a pass. It's just him being flashy. He's showing he takes care of his family. And, and that's one of my biggest problems is that we can't uh, assess situations with a common lens and a common set of principles. It's always, how does this shake out in, in terms of um, which, what color person is doing what thing? And, and the only way you can get a sort of honest assessment of something is if everybody's the same color. But as soon as you have a black guy on this side and a white guy on that side, then people start to judge based on you know their preconceived notions of what each race, where each race is situated in the culture. And I think that that's a bad thing. So yeah, I, I think we should ditch the idols. We should act with impartiality um, and, and, and we should not allow ourselves to worship man in any way, shape or form. Delano, enjoy the rest of G3. Have a great time in Atlanta. Be safe you, out Jason. there. Uh, 
It's very dangerous in Atlanta uh, on multiple levels. Be careful. Uh, thank you, uh, Delano. Uh, guys, I want to tell you about uh, Collective. As a business of one, you're killing yourself for everything you earn. So when you're paying a CPA, a bookkeeper, payroll, and other administrative services, every dollar out is very painful. Not only does your admin work cost you an arm and a leg, it also takes you away from your own billable hours. Double whammy. There has to be a better way, and there is. Collective.com. Collective was built specifically for businesses of one that are making over $60,000 in profit a year. Collective handles all of the stuff that used to cost a pile of money for a fraction of the cost. And listen up, because I'll tell you how to save on your membership and lock in your lowest price of the year. Here's how it works. Collective is an all-in-one financial solution for businesses of one. It handles all of your business formation and compliance paperwork, taxes, bookkeeping, accounting, and even payroll. And if you're set up as an LLC or just a sole proprietorship, Collective can elect your S-Corp tax status, which could save you thousands on your taxes. In fact, Collective members save an average of $10,000 per year on taxes with this structure. A collective membership pays for itself within just a few months, and it's 100% tax deductible. All right, to sweeten the deal, get an extra $100 off when you go to collective.com slash fearless. A team of experts will handle your business formation, accounting, bookkeeping, payroll, and business taxes at a small fraction of the cost, plus save potentially thousands of dollars each year in taxes. That's collective.com slash fearless, collective.com slash fearless, voice white. Previously on Fearless. What is this gripe? Please. I I I I I don't think he has a gripe. I don't think he has a gripe. I think he's trying to send a message to his team. I'm going to be in this fight with you. So I'm if I go through Jay no, is this Jay Nobel's uh, first year at Colorado State? With, I, I, I got that. No, no. Picking a fight with, with a coach that you have no intention of fighting? What are we talking about? Because I, 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 I don't hear the message that the kids in the locker room are going to pick up. Oh, yeah. Coach Prime glasses and hat offend me. What? <laughs> what? All right, welcome back. Time for some Royce White. Uh, I want to continue the conversation about Deion Sanders and Barack Obama. Uh, Royce, uh, welcome back to the show. Thank you for, for making the time. Uh, Royce, what do you think of my analogy of Barack Obama and Deion Sanders and, and just how they're treated by the culture? I understand it. <clears throat> I think, you know, um, it, it's not so much about Deion Sanders. It it's actually has nothing to do with Deion Sanders from a football standpoint. Look, in my opinion, Dion is, is probably the best secondary defender in NFL history. He's certainly one of the best athletes in, in sports history, in American history. He's an entertaining guy. I like a lot of the things he has to say to young men. I, I think that him not being afraid to say God is a plus, uh, is a net positive. Um, the problem is, is just as you laid it out. Uh, we in America, but but especially in black America, have the... Um, have the tendency to cling on to people as our, as our, as our political revolutionaries, right? And we make people, we turn people into political revolutionaries. We make their success and their journey a political statement. We've been taught to make their, make, we've been taught to make their success a political statement by our universities, by quote corporations, by the news and, and, and whoever else, um, whoever can sell it to us really. And, and that is a problem one, because, those individuals end up becoming a catharsis for our actual need to revolt politically or, or stand up for ourselves politically. They become a, 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 a catharsis for it. And and then, you know, they become the scapegoat for the elites that really that really do oppress us. 
And that's what Deion Sanders is becoming right now. Is in you know the difference I'll say in all fairness between Deion Sanders and Barack Obama is that it it would not shock me if Deion Sanders was was uh, completely unaware of the broader cultural and political impact of his position and his current role in this narrative. Barack Obama knew full well what his role in, in the narrative was. Barack Obama came in as an anti-war Democrat. He ran against Hillary as an anti-war Democrat because he knew she was a neocon and he got in office and he let the powers that be, as they say, or so they say, I don't really think it was that, but he let the powers that be, the military industrial complex, convince him to bomb more black and brown people in the Middle East than any of his white predecessors combined. He knew full well what was going on. Dion seems like like the useful idiot, respectfully. Royce, I think you're making a great point because w- what you're saying is, and not that you need translated, but I, just the way I interpret it, uh, Brock knew he was a false god who was not going to deliver anything to his worshipers. Dion is just a guy that was so great athletically. He's had fans ever since he was an 18, 19, 20-year-old kid. He's been an idol because of his accomplishment as an athlete. Barack was groomed to be an idol and to distract people and to be a false god, and to trick people into buying into him as a god so that they could undermine the working class and the people that he allegedly was representing. And, and you're right, I, 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 I love the analogy that you made in terms of, of Dion and, and the people buying Dion and uh, Barack as like, oh boy, if Barack is successful, man, it's going to be great for black folks. And if yeah. Dion wins a bunch of games at Colorado, it's going to open all kinds of doors for black people. But that's all. We have one savior. His name is Jesus Christ. We need to be looking yes. for salvation there. Yes. And then we need to look at ourselves for any other salvation we're looking for. And yes. It's not going to be some puppet president and it's not going to be some football coach. We have to if we want things to change for the better, we have to really get involved instead of falling for the bread and circus and the okie doke and the three card money. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, yeah, 100 no, percent. <laughs> Look, and, and I'll say this uh, to, to take it a step, a step, a step beyond uh, when it comes to Deion Sanders. It's not that we 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 don't crave leadership. It's not wrong that that people crave leadership, especially in today's uh, culture, in today's, uh, you know, pop culture, political culture, any culture in today's global culture. It's not that we are deprived of adequate leadership. We have a crisis of leadership. The, The problem is, is that we've slowly been brainwashed to accept any form of leadership that steps up to the podium or any formation of leadership that they can sell to us. And and. You know, again, Dion's and his this can be very entertaining to watch Colorado's journey, to watch Shador Sanders, to watch this football team, you know, uh, try and, and defeat the odds, so to speak, even if some of those odds are are a, a sort of manufactured. It can be entertaining. It has nothing to do with politics. I mean, it's so what Dion Sanders is or isn't able to do at Colorado as a coach is so far from politically significant. It's almost a la- it's almost laughable. We're shooting cruise missiles into Russia. <laughs> I mean, we're on the brink of World War III and the dollar is collapsing. There's, there's nothing Deion Sanders is doing at Colorado that's going to change that in, in terms of waking up the American public to, to what they need to do to take back the, uh, the control of their citizenship. But even more than that, uh, Royce, because I think some people say, OK, we know he's not making a political statement. He's just going to open all these doors for these other coaches and we're going to take over college football and everybody's going to be more comfortable with guys like Dion as coach and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And first of all, none of that's true. And if every coach adopts right. Dion's approach, that's not going to be healthy for the young men and the co- because Dion's a special breed a special person there's not 
a bunch of other Dion's that have the force of his personality. It's just not going to open up all these doors. There's not going to be some great reward on the other side of Dion winning 10 games. I'm just sorry. You're, you're falling for, for, for BS there. What, right. what, and, and you know, that is, is where I think the synergy between, and, and again, I love your point of Dion doesn't really know what's going on. He just knows that, He's becoming more popular. He's going to generate more money. His kids are doing well. They're going to make it to the NFL. That's the level of his concern. When I look at Barack Obama and, and the idolatry that crippled him, and, mm. and, 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 and when I think about your point about it's not wrong for men and women to crave leadership, what happens with idolatry, and it's not that I agree with Tavis Smiley, because you know he's a leftist and all that, but, but Tavis Smiley was a sincere leader and person. And actually, I think his tactics and beliefs were wrong, but I actually think he wanted to lead black people somewhere in his mind to a more positive space. And what yep. the media does is they eliminate those people, marginalize, diminish, assassinate their character, and leave mm. a Barack Obama standing, the fraud, mm. and, and push everybody, worship him, of don't follow his leadership, not a Tavis Smiley, not a Royce White, not a Ben Carson, not a Clarence Thomas, none of these other people, Obama. Not Tavis Smiley, not Cornell West, Obama. Yeah, yeah no doubt. It, it, look, I, 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 say, I say the sports piece only, but look, it, 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 makes it, it makes sense that Deion Sanders would continue on the path that he was, he was groomed for. I mean, he was groomed to, to accept uh, a, a, a growth of celebrity, you know, almost in a natural way. And look, I think you make an incredible point. This isn't going to open up a bunch of doors that are going to change. OK, I don't know what doors it'll open up. I can't speak to that necessarily. I agree with you. First off, I want to say before I go here, the, the, the hyper commercialization of sports and college sports is already a rabbit hole that we don't know the bottom of. That's number one. We don't know if the NIL deal. We know that the colleges were making money hand over fist and the split between the, the schools and coaches making multi-million dollars and kids eating ramen noodles was completely off base. It was completely uh, out of, out of, you know, out of skew. Um, with the new NIL deal, it's a, it's a whole new frontier. We don't know what's going to happen with that. We don't know what type of coaches that's going to breed. We don't know what the expectation should be for players and how they approach the game as young athletes. Should I worry about TikTok or should I worry about, uh, being on film and, 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 you know, doing my, my, uh, my, my scouting. Who knows what's going to give you more success because now it's more about the money than ever before. So we're going to lose a lot of purity in the game the more commercial it becomes. And soon, maybe robots will just be playing football and we won't need Shador Sanders at all. That's the danger that Deion Sanders doesn't see coming. And they know he doesn't see it coming. They're fully aware of the scope of his understanding of broader political issues. He doesn't know what's coming. And, and I feel bad for him, but I also, I also have to be very stern in my position that these people should not be up on the podium right now. I mean, if we're talking politics and Tavis Smiley was somebody who did understand the political dynamic. I don't agree with him. Cornell West is another one who understands the political dynamic. Barack Obama understood the political dynamic and therein lies the difference between him and Deion Sanders. People will hear this conversation. I've already addressed it somewhat, but people are going to hear this conversation. And the first thing, well, what about Trump? MAGA supporters uh, yeah. worship Trump. You know, why won't, why won't you talk about that? And part of the difference, a big part of the difference is there's a lot of criticism and pushback and resistance towards Trump. And there are incredible rewards for pushing back against Trump. That is not true as it relates to Barack Obama. And, and, and so I just yeah. don't think it's analogous. Well, it's, it's not analogous for, <laughs> for a number of reasons. That's one of them. But, but also, uh, let's be clear, there, there, there is plenty of criticism within 
the side of the movement that politically supports Trump when it comes to voting. There are plenty of conservatives that have plenty of fair criticisms about Donald Trump. And the, the, the same mainstream media, the same mainstream media industrial complex that leans liberal like crazy, that wants to prop Deion Sanders up as a distraction, as a scapegoat, as a catharsis, if they can, unbeknownst to him, in my opinion, is the same media that wants you to think that everybody falls in line lockstep with Donald Trump with no criticism of him. It's not true. This is just a story they tell you on MSNBC or on woke Twitter. There is plenty of, of, of disagreement with Donald Trump on any number of issues within the America First Nationalist Populist Movement, myself included. I've been critical of Donald Trump for a number of things. If nothing else, you know, palling around with rhinos or letting people who advise him get him to support the rhinos. And the mainstream media establishment doesn't even acknowledge that, that criticism because they like the rhinos he supports. They're all the same people. Right. So, you know, this is the this is the real three card Monty is the control over the narrative, who they allow to talk, who they don't. Just like uh, the great Russell Brand as of the last couple of weeks. Well. On this show and and I've had people uh, people like uh, Whitlock, you cape up for Trump. I'm like, well, hold on, man. T.J. Moe comes on this show. He's a critic of Donald Trump. He supports Ron DeSantis. Uh, Delano comes on this show, critic of Donald Trump, supports Ron DeSantis. On, on Steve Dace has basically thrown all his chips in on Ron Dice, on, on Ron DeSantis, on, yeah. on his show. There are, yesterday or the day before, I can't, sometime this week, I started talking about, like, hey man, me and you had the conversation yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> One of them was yeah. like, hey, I'm on Trump on this transgender stuff, on the abo- is he getting weak on the abortion stuff? He's upset with Megyn Kelly because she asked him a few tough questions. There is a big potpourri perspective on Donald Trump. And, and so that is not tolerated as it relates to uh, Barack Obama. And again, it, it, to me, it cripples uh, their ability to be strong leaders. That's why Obama was so weak. When there is no real resistance, you can write off any criticism as racism and you're in a little bubble echo chamber where no one questions anything. It makes you weak. And again, I want to avoid that for Deion Sanders, this little two, three game stretch he's had where everybody's now anointed him as one. Shaquille O'Neal called him the best coach in college football. None of that. That does not help (laughs) Deion Sanders. Yeah. Throwing flowers and, and all that. It does not help. And we love to give everybody flowers. Flowers is, I mean, it's, it's, it's gay. Yeah. And it's, but it hmm. doesn't create strong men. Resistance does. Royce, I'll give you the final say and then we got to get out of here. Well, yeah, the, the, the worst part about it is it, it is that, you know, our, our take or analysis of the situation with Dion has very little to do with him, but also their adulation of Dion Sanders has very little to do with him. And when you're a star, when you're a superstar like Dion is, it's hard to separate the two out there in the, in the, in the, in the zeitgeist, right? It's hard to know which adulation really comes from your accomplishments and your, and your, your competence and which is coming for from in their case, like a Shaquille O'Neal, trying to confront the fact that they're sellouts. They're all sellouts. And now they get to ride the bandwagon of Deion Sanders and what? Get some cred back? None of you people get any cred from riding the coattails of Deion Sanders' success. He could win a major bowl game and go 20-0 for the next two seasons. The amount that these people have sold out could never be reconciled by anything Deion Sanders does. That's a Shaquille O'Neal shot. uh... Heard loud Freemason, and clear. Prince Hall, oh, Ma- Prince Hall, Mason, Shaquille O'Neal, <laughs> Mr. Prince, or Mr. Wear the Apron. All right, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Royce. Uh, great job. That's tomorrow. You know what that means? That means we're going to see you tonight. You're listening tomorrow right now. That means you'll see me again at 6 p.m. Thank you. I want freedom. No negotiation, my system, no relation We all just wanna have freedom Sitting on the corner, never been alone I'll break my back for freedom Bless
I just want, I wanna be, I just want 